This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap for the 4th of January 2022. It's also known as World Braille Day. And today on the show is exactly what we're going to be talking about. The history of Braille, but more importantly, the future. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hello to Dottie, Sean Priest. Hello, Dottie. Oh, that's very good. Who'd have thought it? Happy World Braille Day, Stephen Scott Dot. Oh. Stephen Dot. That should be my name today. That was so good. Oh, well done. Do you know something? I yes, am uh, I I'm wondering, because you mentioned that just at the tail end of the year, you mentioned that you were going to get your Orbit reader out over Christmas and New Year. Uh, no, uh, no, no. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. You said no, you were no. going to steal it from your partner. I did, exactly. Not get it out. What I've got to do is actually steal it from someone. You still so, haven't uh, done that. But I, I, look, Steve, I'm not a brave man. You know this. I've got to work up to it. I've got mm-hmm. to... Yeah, it's like Raiders of the Lost Ark where they swap out that golden skull with a bag of sand. So I've got to find something that sort of feels the same as an Orbit Reader so I can swap it out and carry it to my shed. So it will happen, otherwise <laughs> otherwise she will kill me if she finds out. So if you replace it with a bag of sand, yes, how will you explain when mm-hmm. you know she goes to write her braille in yeah. a bag mm-hmm. of sand? Yeah. Um, what well, the explanation will be, she is not going to reach for it that's what I'm saying she doesn't use it she has, I can't well, remember she's not going to notice then just go and take it for, just get, you know what no, grow, to, grow no. up and go in there oh, and say do you know, know what? what you were going to say then <laughs> just go in there and say listen I want that orbit reader or we I don't will, know you've been married uh, I, I mean I wouldn't do it I'm not saying I would do this no. I'm saying you should do this you understand what I'm saying I'm saying you should do this absolutely no seriously right I'm thinking an orbit reader, right? I can learn to, to type using the Braille Perkins style keyboard. And of course, you've got the display there as well. It's the perfect mm-hmm. training uh, device. But does it add an extra layer on it? Because before I can actually do any of that, I've got to learn how to use the device, how to turn it on, how to go through the menus and all that jazz, surely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if it is actually the best way to do it. But you know what? It's It's... It's lying there unused, so why not? I'm going to give it a go. Okay, well, we'll do that. But here's the thing. You could also just download a little application called Perky Duck. No, I'm not kidding. An application called Perky Duck. Uh, Sounds delicious. That is a Braille text editor for Windows. Uh, what, what do you mean? So it's just like WordPad or Notepad or WordPad, but it's all in Braille. And you use the, and what is it? You use the SDF and the JKL keys as your Perkins keys. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, and you can, yes, and yes. you can do it that way. That's another way to do it. Perky Duck. And is Perky that free? Duck. Yes, completely free. Oh, okay. Nice one. Also, there's the NVDA add-on, of course, PC Braille keyboard, which does pretty much the same thing. You can use certain keys on your standard QWERTY keyboard as Braille keys. And you can type into absolutely anything. As long as you're running the NVDA screen reader, that is. Mm. So that's another thing. Yeah. But of course, that's all for typing, right? With the yes. actual Braille display, then you can learn the reading, which is something I've never really got a got a handle on because mm. I just can't feel the difference in the dots. I need more, more practice. Well, today it's all about the history and the future of Braille. And coming up, we're going to be uh, giving you the chance to hear a conversation we had with Matthew Horsepool. Now, Matthew's part of the Braillist Foundation in the UK. Matthew's a top guy. And, you know, he talks to us about the hardware that's available today because there are lots of options out there when it comes to Braille. But what's the right option? So I, I thought it'd be good today to just remind us, especially on World Braille Day, of the type of Braille hardware that's out there today that you can buy uh, across a wide range of price points. You know, I mean, I know people think Braille displays very expensive, but there are alternatives out there that some of them don't, some of the hardware doesn't have a Braille display, and that can be really useful for a lot of people to know about. So we're going to talk about all that today with Matthew, um, and I'm also going to be mentioning something later because you might remember last year we talked about the Canute 
gaming console. Now, that was very interesting. We're going to mm. give you a chance to uh, be reminded about that from uh, the wonderful person uh, who got in touch with us, Charlie Harding, from the company Bristol Braille Technology that's actually developed this. So we're going to be hearing from Charlie a bit later. She'll talk us through how that works. And uh, yeah, I just, I really, what I guess I want to, to focus on today, a lot of people like to talk specifically about Louis Braille and talk about the history, and we will do that. But I think it's also about recognising where we are with Braille and where the future is with it. And frankly, in my view, it is the technology that is keeping Braille going. You know, it's given it, in some cases, a rebirth. Mm. Um, I don't know if Braille would have survived had it not been for technology like the Braille display coming in. Now, this is not new because there have been Braille displays around for a long time. But I think the next step in this conversation is going to be about price and how do you get the display prices down and what alternatives are going to be out there in the future, what new technologies are going to be out there. So that's a conversation I imagine we'll have between now and the end of time, and or at least until <laughs> that option presents itself. But look, before we get into all that, let, let's start at the beginning with Braille. Okay, so let's go right back to the very beginning and, of course, the history of Braille itself. And who better than our own AMI contributor and Double Tap uh, contributor, Grant Hardy, who's joined us on the TV show before. Uh, he is uh, one of our uh, colleagues here at AMI, and he put together this little package for us, which really just summarises his story with Braille and also the history of the code itself. Hey, AMI Vancouver Bureau reporter and Double Tap contributor Grant Hardy here. I've been blind since birth, and whether I'm reading the latest thriller, taking notes at work, or reading the buttons in an elevator, I use Braille, the system of raised dots for reading and writing that's become the ubiquitous, essential window to the world for literacy, education, and employment for people who are blind. So I wanted to talk to Dr. Kay Holbrook, professor at the University of British Columbia, to find out more about the genius who invented Braille, Louis Braille. So Louis Braille was born in what was at the time a very rural village. Now it would be considered a suburb of, of Paris. And he went blind when he was um, very young, two or three years old, as a result of an accident in his father's saddlery shop. And through a variety of events, he got a scholarship to the Paris School for the Blind, where they were doing some innovative work in, ed in the education of individuals um, young young children who were blind or visually impaired. And so he became, he was really a pioneer in the development of the, of the Braille system that we uh, use almost, almost um, the same system that he developed when he was very young. Uh, and he developed it because he needed it and his classmates needed it. Given the generally negative attitude towards blindness and visual impairment in the past, Louis Braille was truly way ahead of his time. What's really striking to Kay is his determination. I can't believe that as a young child in a time where this kind of thing was not accepted, really, he was able to go past that and to develop something that was that's really been lasting for over 200 years even today people who are who are innovating new technologies new ways of doing things new strategies are also that kind of creative they they imagine something that doesn't exist and they work to try and make that exist there's no doubt about it Louis Braille didn't know that computers would exist in the future, or blindness-specific tablets, or even elevators. But he did know one thing. Just like for the sighted world, a simple, consistent way to read and write letters is the key to independence and success. I wouldn't be where I am today without Louis Braille and the system of raised dots named after him. I can't wait to see where the system of Braille goes next. That was uh, AMI contributor, Double Tap contributor, Grant Hardy, joining us there to uh, tell us about his own journey with Braille and give us a little bit of insight into the history of Louis Braille 
as well. And I think it's really important to start there, Sean, with our discussion today, because ultimately, you know, like Grant says, you know, where would he be with that Braille today? And we've had this conversation many times on this show. The value yeah. of Braille is clear to those who've learned it as a as a child, especially. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm sure I'm sure Grant was reading some notes there using a braille display yeah. as he was recording that and that is the key. It it really enables you to, you know, do some tasks that otherwise you wouldn't be able to do. Um so many times I wish I was, was able to read notes without having to stop and listen to voiceover or my screen reader. So absolutely. And that story of Louis Braille, right? It's it's I'm sure most of us have heard it before, but it really is amazing when you think how long ago it was and, and the, the, the attitude towards someone with a disability back then and the way he, he, he was so determined to get through. It's, it's amazing. It is an amazing story. Yeah, I mean, in some ways it feels like we've come a long way. You know, I think in technology terms, we are... Yeah, and I'm talking generally about access. Well, in 200 tech. years, yeah, I, I would agree with that, Stephen. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, in terms of technology, we've come a long way. But I think in terms of attitudes, I'm not entirely sure how much has changed. I think you know, absolutely right. And that's feel kind of that my much point. Has changed. Yeah, we we can put ourselves. It's, it's very easy for us to f- put ourselves in his position back then mm. and know how difficult it must have been because some of us are still, you know, going through something those sort of attitudes, right? Still facing those sort of attitudes. It's amazing to me that even in in 2023, as we're now in, that it's that it's normal for people to assume how you know irrelevant we are in society. I had it just recently at a situation where I was in a place and the, the person I was with, I was, I was, I was uh, at an appointment with my mother and I, I took her into this place and the, the nurse says to me, um, do, you, uh, do you live with your mother? And I said, um, <laughs> no, I don't. I live on my own. And she said, oh, um, supported accommodation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like what so a blind yeah. person cannot live by themselves and you know of course not. there was no malice no malice in that se- sentiment no no malice in that statement at all and i totally yeah. get that you know i think some people are very quick to jump onto the you know that's discrimination and i get that you you can take that view and i think a lot of it is is how it comes across but you know having lived this life for 41 years and pretty much had that experience almost on a daily basis especially <laughs> when i worked i mean i used to walk from my office to you know the the local store to get some you know a sandwich or whatever at lunchtime and you know i could face at least three incidents where you know i was seen as less than or treated second class or whatever yeah. you want you know to be so, you know, I think in terms of attitudes, I don't think things have moved forward. In terms of technology, things have. And I certainly think with Braille, it does seem to me that, you know, things have moved forward, but only because of technology, it's kind of stayed alive, which is a good thing. That's a brilliant mm-hmm. thing that it's kept alive. And it's, you know, in this year, you know, we've seen, well, I mean, even just in, in the very early days of this year, we've been talking a lot about you know, some of the new uh, devices that are coming out and new stuff that's coming out. And, you know, last year we talked all about DotPad. We talked about the the graffiti from Orbit. Yes. And that's really interesting as well, seeing how things are developing and how this technology is coming in and bringing in new. I mean, this week in particular, we're going to be hearing more about the DotPad because CES is ongoing. They'll be exhibiting there. And, um, you know, that's going to be interesting to hear about how that works. And also, you know, seeing their plans long term, because this is a new type of device for those that don't know. It's the tactile, um, almost like a monitor um, display. So you have like 200 pins on there. It can form images. It can form, you know, lots of different things. It can, you know, help you understand images better, tables. There's lots of things you can do with this notepad. And the same with the Orbit Graffiti as well. Um, I know there's projects ongoing with APH, American Printing House for the Blind. There's lots of stuff going on all over the place with this. But it does seem that, you know, children who are learning and, of course, adults who work in certain types of jobs who could really benefit from having much more of an overview of the, the visual side of their work, this could create new opportunities. And, you know, never know. I mean, I know that, for example, there are already blind architects. But, you know, let's be honest about it. Having devices like that and Braille coupled with it you know, it's going to make that job even more appealing to even more people. And that's what we want. It just, mm-hmm. we've, we're a long way to go in terms of attitudes, but the technology is helping that because truthfully, in my opinion, I think the best advocacy we have is being in a job, 
being in an office where someone can see us do something, get over yep. that hurdle of what can a blind person do by actually seeing what we do. That yeah. I think makes a huge difference to people's you know people's view on blindness. Of course, until they see someone doing it, they don't believe you're capable. Absolutely, and I think you're right. This is the new form factor. I mean, Braille has been sort of in, stuck in one place for the longest time, you know, with Braille displays, and this is the next evolution. It seems like these multi-line uh, tablets of displays, if you like, the, the, the Braille display tablet is the next evolution. I'm really interested to see where this goes, plus, you know, see how the, the price is affected as well as, as this uh, technology matures. I think we have to expect these are going to be expensive, and we know that of already. Of course they are. You know, it's going hey, to take time. Single-line Braille displays are already expensive. Exactly. Um, and speaking of multi-line, that's what I wanted to move on to, because multi-line Braille displays, the one that, that comes to mind immediately is the Canute 360, which is a multi nine-line multi-line Braille display. But this is... Um, getting a bit of an upgrade this year because uh, there's a company called Bristol Braille Technology that announced just at the tail end of last year that they're going to be launching this very soon. And it's a really interesting device. Charlie Harding is from Bristol Braille Technology and uh, dropped by on the show just at the tail end of the year to tell us about this new product, which is all about gaming. Yes, putting Braille and gaming together. Interesting. What we came up with was uh, something that we are now calling the Canute Console. Um, uh, essentially it's, it's a, it's a clever docking system where you will take a Canute 360, you plug it in and it completely expands what the, the Canute 360 can do. Um, so the dock is made, sorry, the console, we are calling it a console. We were calling it a Canute dock for a very long time, but we're calling it a console now. Uh, so it's made, um, up of a very high definition, um, screen. Uh, so both um, the visually impaired and blind people and sighted people can use it. Uh, and the sighted person will uh, see basically what's on top of the Canute display on, on the screen. Um, it has a pull-out keyboard and the whole thing runs on Python. So essentially what it does is you, you plug our Canute in and it just makes the, the, the it basically turns it into a mini laptop I suppose and so from sort of creating this and thinking about like what what can we do with it like you know you can do some word processing uh you can do your computer programming and, and coding which is something that um, I know a lot of people are very interested in um and I think it was just a sort of random afternoon where uh, Ed Rogers who's our, our founder decided to see if he could do uh like quite simple uh games so uh we tried it and it worked so um, there's uh, Snake, which is something we've been uh, working on, which is uh, an old game that used to come free on the old uh, Nokia phones. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, the point of that is you have a a line and you have to eat uh, a little dot, a little square, and then every time you eat the square, your snake gets longer. Uh, I have found that I've had to explain what Snake is because there's a lot of uh, blind people that never played. They've got no <laughs> well, idea. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> It was a very so, visual game, right? So yeah, a lot of blind game. people never played it. Exactly. And so I say, oh, we've got Snake. And they'd say, well, what's that then? And you're like, oh, yeah. Because no, <laughs> I'm sighted. <laughs> it's that and assumption. In fairness, and in fairness, there were, there's also blind people out there of an age who probably have never even heard of it because they never had a Nokia phone. They're too well, exactly. young, which exactly. is terrifying. No, no. And there's a, there's someone that we work with who um, he, he's lost his sight completely now. But when he was a teenager, he had limited. And so he was he would play Snake because that's what his friends were playing. But he would uh, he'd have his face like inches away from the screen so he could try yeah. and play it. Um, so basically what we've done is we've um, taken that very screen based game and then made it into um, a Braille game. So the, the display becomes the snake and the little thing that you eat little food yeah. um, and it tells you your score um, and it's just this really fantastic way of um, you know one passing time it's entertainment you know I just, I'm a big fan of the Candy Crush I'm a big fan of Snake like, so I'll play Absolutely. that for hours um, but also it's an incredible way of um, getting people to start learning about like spatial awareness um, it's a great way to um, introduce Braille to perhaps younger people who might uh, be a little bit put off by, you know, always learning a new language is boring. I don't want to. Why can't I just listen to things? Um, so it's just a really great way of introducing um, potential Braille users to a world that isn't just 
I have to ask you, and I know you're probably going to go on to this, but I have to ask you because it's my favourite game, Hangman. We've got Hangman! Yes. I was just about to tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, um, there was two two people that we sort of trialled the game with because you wanted to see, you know, just because it kind of works for for us as sighted people, is it interesting to visually impaired and blind people and braille readers? I mean, that's sort of an offshoot. The the real ethos of what Bristol Braille technology do is we work with the community and we ask them, what, what do you want? We don't want to be the sort of company that throws, you know, a £600 Wi-Fi-enabled white stick at, at people and say, there you go, we've solved your problems. Yeah. Uh, it's like, well, we never asked for that <laughs> and we can't afford it. So, um, you know, every time we come up with something like this, we do like to, to get um, Braille users involved. The, the charity, the Braillists are amazing. Um, you know, we get them in, involved and say, like, we've done this. What do you think? Um, so, again, one person had heard of Hangman, had never played it. The other person hadn't heard of Hangman at all. Um, and again, really great at, um, you know, learning to spell, which is something that, you know, we all take for granted. Um, and again, it's just, it's a really nice way to pass the time. It's a fun little word game. Um, and like we were all like, there was four of us just looking over this one machine as somebody played Hangman and we just the excitement in the room. It was, <laughs> it was brilliant and they really, really enjoyed it. Um, we've, we, Wordle works on there. We've done um, some like map games. Um, we sort of based one very, very loosely so we don't get sued on Grand Theft Auto. Uh, wow. Where we've done, yeah. <laughs> so it's not driving around and, and you know, not being a pleasant human being. And, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what can I say? No, there was no mowing down of anybody in this game, but we, um, so we've developed it. So it's a map of Bristol. Uh, it can be a map of anywhere, anywhere at all. Um, we've used the Braille to, um, so you know what's a building and what's a road. Um, you land in the middle of this map and, and someone turns up and says, Oh, can you please take this package to this place? And then you use the, um, directional keys on the keyboard to navigate your way through the map to, to where you need to be. Um, and then you're given another task and then off you go. And it's just because it's Python, because it's all very, um, it's, it's very bespoke because the way that it is, it could be any map in any country, anywhere. Um, so it's just, it, it, it's really, really exciting just how much can be done once you just sort of expand what, what Braille means, I suppose. It's not just a tool for reading. We know we can use it for maths. We know we can use it for music. We can now use it, um, you know, as this, these, these very fun, um, top down spatial games. So there you go. That's Charlie Harding speaking from the company Bristol Braille Technology. We'll bring you more on that rather interesting device and hopefully some users of that device we'll be hearing from later in the year. Uh, don't forget, of course, you can keep in touch with us and tell us your stories about uh, your experience of Braille, this World Braille Day this week. I'm sure everyone will be talking about Braille, which is brilliant. Uh, you can email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. You can also call us on 1877-803-4567. Coming up, we'll be hearing from Matthew Horsepool. He is uh, from Bristol, uh, not from Bristol. <laughs> well, I think he might be from Bristol, actually. <laughs> Everyone's I don't from know. Bristol. Everyone's from Bristol. Uh, but no, I don't think he's from Bristol, but he is from uh, the Braillists Foundation. Braille. That's the one. And uh, he is going to be telling us all about some of the hardware that we should be looking out for. If you're in the market for a Braille display, this is the conversation you want to be listening to. And even if you're not looking for a Braille display, you might be looking for you know some kind of Braille device. This is the conversation to listen to. But before we get to that, I want to bring in this uh, voicemail that we got because uh, this will, I think, be part of furthering this conversation. Uh, this is a voicemail from Darren. Hi, this is Darren from Bixley in Kent, in England. Um, I was wondering if you could do a feature one day on with Orbit Research. Basically, I'm interested what's happening with the Orbit Speak. When's that coming out? And... Also, any future plans for the Orbit readers? And also, I understand there could be a multi-line Braille display uh, coming. Um, that would be interesting. And also, what their future plans are for the Orbit Speak, what new features they're going to put into it. Because I understand it's um, Wi-Fi connectable and it can be updated with the Wi-Fi, like the Braille the brilliant uh, family of displays can and uh, note takers 
So that that would be very interesting to hear all about orbit research one day. Thank you very much. Enjoying the shows. Bye. Thank you, Darren. Appreciate that. And yes, that is a conversation we hope to be having soon with Orbit Research. We've reached out for them a number of times for an interview. And uh, we will they're definitely very busy. do that. Well, they're very busy people. But there's also <laughs> there's also a bit of a question mark around what these new devices are going to be. Like the Orbit Speak. I mean, that was announced at CSUN last year. And never heard anything since. Not a word. I mean, this thing, this thing for speaking is very quiet. Yes, it's still saying available for pre-order, but I can't find how. So, uh, mm. yes, that'd be very interesting to see what's going on there. And that will, I think, take us into another very interesting conversation about this. So, yeah, very, very interesting. This is what this show's about today. It's about World Braille Day, but it's looking at the future as well. Stick around because we have Matthew Horspool joining us to talk about the hardware about Braille and the best hardware to buy if you're looking for a Braille display or a Braille keyboard. That's next. Can't get enough Double Tap? Subscribe to the podcast and get your fill of Double Tap every day. Visit DoubleTapOnAir.com and follow us now. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. You're listening to Double Tap. Now, we are welcoming Matthew Horsepool to the conversation. Uh, Matthew joins Sean and I to discuss the uh, interesting hardware that is out there today for Braille users. Uh, You know, maybe you're looking for a new display. Maybe you're looking for a new keyboard. What is out there? Matthew joined us to weigh in. There's been a very sort of binary attitude towards Braille in the past. You know, you either read Braille or you don't. And Braille is either good or it's not good. And it's either the be all and the end all or it's or it's the nothing. And I just don't think and certainly the Brailleists don't think, you know, that that's a particularly useful attitude to have. You know, I'm a Braille user. I absolutely love Braille. I wouldn't be without Braille, but I don't get Braille bank statements. You know, I do online banking. I read my emails with text to speech, you know, and that's okay. that, you know, Braille will have different uses for different people. Braille. Some people will do more reading than writing. Some people will do more writing than reading. And it, it's not about, you know, you've got to use Braille for everything. It's about Braille might be useful at some point, And so you ought to learn it. And when it's useful, you'll know about it and you'll use it. Yeah. But it's very much the old cliche of another tool in your toolbox. Yeah. Right? And yeah. Absolutely right. Can I go back to your yourself going self-employed? I'm, I'm really intrigued by this because as Stephen said, uh, I was told when I was looking into learning Braille a few years ago, I was told by um, my adult care services department that no, we don't offer any Braille you know, teaching at all because uh, Braille's dead. Uh, you know, there's, there's no call for it, as it was said. Now, sort of following on from Stephen's question, really, your decision to go self-employed into this field of Braille, which, is, which does still feel, I think, um, slightly, you know, like it's... Um, Ooh, I don't know, on the back burner, maybe when it comes to screen readers, when it comes to the technology, uh, are you seeing a, a real lift in the numbers when it comes to Braille uh, users or people wanting to learn Braille? Um, I've not really been in the industry long enough to know whether there's been a lift or not, but I'm definitely seeing, you know, good numbers of people using Braille come through. Um, that said, I mean, if you've got, I don't know, if you've got four or five clients a month, you're doing well, right? You know, I mean, yeah. it, you know, I might, you know, in a month I might do, you know, two or three people, you know, I might train two or three people and each of those might have, you know, three or four sessions. And this is not, you know, teaching Braille. This is, I've got a Braille display and I need to know how to use it. And quite often those Braille displays have been funded through, say, disabled students allowance or through access to work. Um particularly with DSA, they might have been funded and the student actually might not have necessarily wanted one. It just, there might have been some leftover in the budget. And so, a, you know, a, a Braille display or a Braille <laughs> note taker ended up. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but they're the best, right? Because they have this Braille display thrown in. They might not have even realized that Braille displays existed up until then. Or if they did, they just sort of thought, oh, well, this isn't for me. And so if you get a client like that, it's brilliant because you can talk to them and you can say, look, look at what this Braille display can do. And all of a sudden, they suddenly realize that, okay, yeah, Braille is actually relevant and I can actually do useful stuff with this. And so, yeah, I I like those clients. That's an excellent point because what I said at the intro there, I mean, I was being slightly um, 
humorous, a bit tongue in cheek about it, but it, it is true. I Hang on, sorry. Th- when were you being funny? I just want to go back and check. Uh, yeah, what, well, it, was it, but, uh, yeah, it was very discreet. Let's put it that way. Uh, oh, uh, what right. I'm saying is that the whole Perkins and the Braille paper and the Braille books thing, I, I, I do feel like that's that, that's that's not for me. It, it does feel like really, I, I don't know, going backwards and. I, I know that's that's on me. That's that's something I need to get over. But when it comes to something like a braille display and and learning how to use that, I, I'm far more interested in that. Mm. But it does seem like it just seems so mysterious. Can, so can I tell alien. you something though? From from this is just my own perspective, and I'm sure I'm going to be alone here in this. But I noticed that when I started using the braille display, um, and I'm not brilliant with it because I still have to figure out a lot of the commands and a lot of the stuff that goes with it, and I'm still a little bit behind on it. But one thing I found was that when I wanted to read notes, especially on air, I would start to use my Perkins more. It's almost like I started off really? heading towards the tech, and then I came back to the paper. And it was only because I thought the one thing I wanted to be sure of was that the information I had was in front of me, like, I guess, a written note. And there's one thing about a written note, unless you've got a leaky roof, generally it's going to be okay and that the words will stay on the page. And, you know, you're not going to have a situation where tech will let you down. In an on-air environment, you have to make sure, you want to make sure that, you know, the focus is where you want it to be, which is your fingers that touching the paper, rather I than worrying about the, the physical position of the, of the screen or something moves, you know? I suppose mm. it could be my moving away from sort of paper and printed material anyway as I was losing my exactly. sight. Maybe it's, yeah. I've, I just don't see that as an option for me anymore and I always go towards the tech maybe that's the the reason I think the problem in this situation is that the braille display is the most reliable component in the chain but it's having to connect to a lot of other very unreliable components you know so if you're reading a word document and you get a notification pop up the braille display is going to display that notification if you're reading that word document that's no use to you really Uh, you don't need that notification to pop up now you can tell the screen reader to disable the notifications, but then what if that notification pops up a dialog box that, you know, you can't disable those dialog box from being popped up because that's not the screen reader's fault anymore. That's just something decided to pop up a dialog box. Yeah. So yeah, there isn't a definitely an element of reliability. And I mean, if we sort of bring the discussion towards braille displays and hardware and all of that sort of thing, this is why I think a lot of braille displays now are building in, sort of smart features you know a lot of braille displays on the market now have a built-in document reader it's not a word processor it's not terribly sophisticated but you can copy a word document to a braille display as though it's a pen drive disconnect the braille display from the computer well or even leave it connected and just press a button and put it into standalone mode open the document and read it and then that gets around the reliability problem so maybe try and explain to us uh, with some examples of what would be a note taker, something that's standalone. And I know you're saying that some of these also have the features to connect as well. What's a standalone versus something that's connected, say? Yeah, um, the lines are blurring really, really rapidly, actually. But I mean, if we're talking about note takers these days, we're talking about probably the Braille Sense 6 or the Braille Note Touch or something in that ballpark. I don't know of any other note takers that are on a level with the Braille Sense 6 or the Braille Note Touch. They might exist somewhere. They cost about four and a half grand. They have a certain form factor about them. They generally have a very nice Braille keyboard. Um, They have, you know, 20, 32, sometimes 40, but very rarely, you know, normally 20, 18, 20, 32 cells of Braille. And then they have lots of connectivity. You know, they'll have an SD card slot. They'll have a, a few USB ports, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth and a whole suite of applications you know you can you can have you know a proper word processor on a note taker you know a web browser an email client an address manager a diary uh, you know a lot of them now certainly the braille sense 6 and the braille note touch you can run apps from the google play store because they run android admittedly not the latest version of android um the the note touch is on android 8 the sense 6 is on android 10 but, you know, you can you can do stuff. You know, I've been on Zoom meetings on a Braille Sense 6 before. And so it really can run as a standalone setup. Compare that to, say, the Focus 40 or, well, any of the Focus, you know, the Focus 14, you know, 80, what have you, the, the Brilliant BI20X, BI40X, um, even the Orbit Reader. Um, they have a certain form factor, you know. Um, a lot of Braille displays are sort of quite a, a thin 
um, strip, if you like, with Braille cells. Yeah, a Braille keyboard, but the Braille keyboard isn't the primary thing. You know, it's not always a particularly nice Braille keyboard, although it's functional if it if you need it to. But it's designed to sit in front of a computer keyboard and it's designed to connect to a computer. And it just has a few sort of productivity things built in, like I say, a, a document uh, reader, mm. a very primitive editor, maybe something to read your books on, you know, maybe a calculator, but nowhere near as much sophistication as would be built into a note taker and also not the same level of processing power. So for example, the brilliant BI20X and BI40X does have Wi-Fi, but it only has Wi-Fi so that it can do software updates and so that it can connect to libraries. And it wouldn't be able to have a, a web browser in it because there just wouldn't be the processing power to power a web browser. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I, you, you mentioned so many names there. I get so confused between the, the, the amount of different Braille displays out there. And I'm, I'm going to put my hands up and say the, the thing that interests me about Braille displays is the cost. Now, you did mention the Orbit Reader. Um, is, there, is there a huge difference? As someone who, who lives and breathes Braille, right, and, and you know the, the different Braille displays, is there a difference between the, the more affordable something like the Orbit or and and the um the, the I don't know the Focus eighty say is there a difference? <laughs> do, do you notice a big difference in the actual quality of those products? Did you- yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll I'll actually compare the Orbit Reader with something like the Brilliant Bi twenty X rather than the Focus eighty because obviously the big difference between the Orbit Reader and the Focus eighty is the number of cells and that yeah, will yeah. bump up the cost you know enormously. But if you compare the Orbit Reader 20 with the Brilliant BI 20X, they've got the same number of Braille cells. They've got, broadly speaking, the same suite of applications if we talk about you know, the 20 plus versus the, um, versus the BI 20X. I mean, it's not quite the same. You know, the, the BI 20X is slightly more sophisticated. But yeah, it, I mean, in terms of build quality, I'm not here to knock the Orbit at all. The Orbit is an absolutely fantastic product. For many, it's the only Braille display they can afford. Um, the Braille quality, the quality of the Braille cells themselves is absolutely excellent. You know, I can't knock the, you know, the signage quality Braille that you get off the Orbit reader. It's just amazing. Right. Um, but it's a bigger form factor. You know, the BI-20X is a lot sleeker. Um, it, it's a lot smaller, a lot lighter. Um the big one for me is the noise and the speed of the refresh. So when you press the next line key on an Orbit Reader 20, you can hear, it's like a moth going across the Braille display. You can hear all of the cells refreshing. <laughs> and it takes a, about... That's such a good an- analogy. Or a brilliant <laughs> example yeah. of it. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, it. that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, it takes about half a second for the cells to refresh and you can hear this moth going across the display as it refreshes. <laughs> now you imagine if you're recording double tap and you're reading your notes off an orbit reader and you know no matter what microphone you've got, no matter what soundproofing you've got, yeah. you know, that braille display sound is going to come through. It just is. And you could try and noise cancel it out, but it's not really going to work, yeah. you know. You could be uh, in a church reading the reading, you could be in a corporate presentation, you know, in any of these sorts of environments, if you're performing or presenting or recording or what have you, you just don't want that noise in the background. And so something like, you know, the Brilliant line or the Focus line, which uses traditional piezoelectric cells, yeah, okay, they're a lot more expensive, but so much quieter. Yeah, I must admit, I did try when I was doing tech talk back in the day. It was, um, it was. I got my hands on one from RNIB, and I remember going into the studio with it, and th- and as soon as I heard it, as soon as I switched it on, I thought, ah, this is not going to work out. This is just not feasible. It's too noisy. It's just too noisy. I like it. It really? takes me back really? to the really? early eighties, like the um, you know, like a, a a teleprompter or you know, are they, like, are the newscasts, yeah, the, the, the news ticker, yeah, I know. Well, and some people do, you know, if you're if you live on your own and you want to read, you know, when you read paper braille, you've got the turning of the pages, you've got the sound of your fingers going across the paper, and some people find that sound quite relaxing and it's quite daunting when you're reading on a piezoelectric display and you haven't got as much noise. So yeah, I mean, look, some people do find the noise very comforting. Um, some people don't mind the noise. I mean, look, you know, if you're just sat at home reading, even if you live with other people, 
you know, it's the sort of noise that if you hear it often enough, it's like a squeaky door or something. It's annoying. But when mm. you hear it often enough, you either fix it or, or you just live with it, don't you? And so you just get used to it. Well, it's no louder than somebody I, typing on a laptop. I know people who find the Perkins Brill are really irritating. And trust me, when you're in an office and you're hammering away on it, I, I, I find it personally really enjoyable when other people get irritated by it. So it suits me. Um, yep. In fact, the noisier the better, I would say. If just, I can put a speaker like next to it, people. Put, a, put, a, put a halo <laughs> next to it, I'm quite happy. But no, I'm, I'm at home, you know, banging away on this thing. And it's so funny because my neighbor once said to me, what was happening yesterday? Is everything okay? And and I said, yeah, yeah everything's fine. They said, oh, we were wondering if you maybe needed some help with that DIY you were doing. And I said, what DIY? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, well, my, my husband's willing to come right. He'll come around and, and anything you need. And Try I said, to put that bell up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was the, it was the brailler and she was and I, I brought yes. her in to show her and she was like, Wow, what where did this thing come from? Which museum did you steal Out this of the arc. Yeah. Yeah. Um but it's incredible. But I, I still to... love my brailler, you know, for Christmas yes, cards. We're absolutely. approaching Christmas. I mean, I hate writing Christmas cards, right? I, I absolutely hate it. But if I have to write Christmas cards, I'm doing it on a Perkins. I'm not connecting up to a fancy braille embosser to do my Christmas cards. No, that's you know? true. Yeah. Anything like that. You know, labels, um, I, I'm one of the lucky people that's got a Dymo tape adapter for the Perkins. I don't think you can buy them in the UK anymore. You might be able to get them in Canada still. Hmm. Um, but like a little metal thing that goes in the brailler. So if I want to braille on Dymo tape, I can do that on the Perkins. If I want to braille on sticky plastic, you know, to label other things, I can do it on a Perkins. And, you know, sometimes, yeah, if I'm actually writing notes for a presentation and it's not terribly convenient to take the braille display, then yeah, I'll sit down at a Perkins and write notes. It doesn't happen very often, but I have definitely been known to do it. There's that, um, and I'm trying to remember the name of the company. I want to say Six Dot is, I think that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, the label maker. The label Logan maker, Technology, yeah. and they, they made the Six Dot Braille label maker. That's, do you know, I have to say, I mean, it looks like something by all accounts out of a, a kid's um, yeah, yeah. Price. Price. it does yeah. you know, it's it's, I mean I think so it's does white. the Orbit to be fair you know yeah, you, can't, yeah. you can't judge a book by its cover it's, it's no. like white with all these colourful buttons yeah. on it and it's all very yeah, nice yeah. There, is, there is some cool thing. one thing that I really love is that you can hook up a QWERTY keyboard to it so if you're not in, if you actually don't know how to type Braille you can still type on this thing and you can create you know labels in Braille I think that's brilliant because that could be useful for lots of people not just for, for blind people right or someone who's at home who wants to maybe do a bit of late, you know, label creating for something, um, you know, for the partner or whatever. That, that could be really useful. I, yeah. I, I think it's, I mean, it's quite an expensive piece of kit. But I was just going to say very expensive for what it is, but I do have one and I do really like it. The quality of the Braille dots is really, really crisp. And what it also does, which is really useful, is when you press the button to cut the tape, it it cuts the tape, but it also nicks the front of the tape so you can peel the backing off really easily. Mm. Um, so, yeah, cool. I mean, you know, you, you perhaps don't want to spend, you know, four or five hundred quid on a label maker. But if you've got the money to spend, it's well worth spending. Well, I priced this thing up in Canada and it's over eleven hundred dollars. So oh, really? You know. It's a oh, little wow. Bit That's considered. gone up a lot since I bought it. Yeah. The only thing I'd warn you about is uh, be very careful when you get to the end of the roll of tape, because sometimes the very end of the roll of tape will get stuck in the rollers and then you've got a hell of a job trying oh, to unstick it. Really? And then, you know, the next roll of tape won't go in and oh, it, it, it's a nightmare. So just be really careful at the end of a roll of tape. The, the one that really stands out for me in terms of Braille display, in terms of note-taking and all of that, has been the Mantis Q40. I think for me that is the device. You keep going back to that. I, that I do. Is, this is honestly, it's it stuck in your head. This is your dream machine, it sounds like. Humanware sent me one for a couple of weeks to play with. I hoped that the, the uh, it got lost in the post when Don't I was returning it. it worked, but that <laughs> didn't work. So, you know, I had to send it back. But it was it's such a good device because... It merges the two things together, which you might want, especially when you're new to Braille, which is you can then focus on your reading and you've got the QWERTY input. And it means that when you're connecting it to a computer, you don't have to think about all the code you might have to learn, you know, to be able to type on it. I mean, not I, I don't think many people probably do. I'm sure there's some that do, but I think most people probably use a QWERTY keyboard for input on the computer and then just use the Braille mm -hmm. input keyboard for just yeah. the Braille part, if at all. And then they, they read with the display. Actually, Taking that keyboard bit out is interesting. And I wanted to get your take on this because I I wonder with something like the Mantis, 
could you just learn to read Braille and not even learn how to type it? Would that be okay? Is that okay? Yes. Sort of. (laughs) (laughs) I think... I think what is important to understand, particularly in the realm of Braille technology, is that Braille reading and Braille writing are very separate skills. I think it benefits you to learn both skills at the same time, because if you write Braille, it will reinforce your reading because you learn to write Braille and then read back what you've written Mm. and and vice versa. Reading Braille will reinforce your writing. So they're very complementary skills. I would never recommend that somebody solely learns just to read Braille or just to write Braille, but they are very, very different skills. And actually, I'm the complete opposite to you i actually write a lot more braille than i read because of braille screen input on the iphone just what i was going to mention yeah yeah you know so actually learning to write braille could actually be the more useful skill in a lot of ways right um but yeah i mean the the q40 i don't have one um i don't want one um (laughs) it's an amazing machine I, i have a lot of time for the mantis q40 the reason why i don't want one is because it's only got a laptop keyboard on it and I like my number pad. I like my block of six keys with, you know, the, the home, the end, the page up, the yes. page down above the arrow keys. You know, I like having that. And I'm on a desktop computer with a very permanent setup. So I've got the space for it. So why not have it? But I know a lot of people, I mean, look, I grew up with a big keyboard like that. A lot of people didn't grow up with a big keyboard like that. Many people are used to a laptop keyboard they're quite happy to use the function key with the arrow keys to do, you know, home and end and page up and page down. And if that is something that you're happy to do, then for sure, the Mantis Q40 is a great device. The only thing I would say, have a backup keyboard. Only, I mean, look, buy a £10, you know, $15 backup keyboard on Amazon or something, right? Because if any of those Braille cells go wrong and you need to send it in for repair, because the keyboard and the Braille display are the same unit, you've then not got any way of controlling the computer at all. Yeah. Okay. One final question for you, Matthew. I could have you on all day on this, but just and we you must come back on and we'll talk more about this. And if people have questions about Braille that we can't answer because we know nothing, yes. um, then uh, <laughs> we'll get Matthew back on to answer them. But sort of just from your knowledge of all of these devices that are out there, if you if money was no object, what would you buy? Core. There's a, <laughs> there's a loaded question because it really does depend on what you want. Of course it does. Um, I'm a big fan at the moment of the Brilliant BI series, the BIX series from Humanware, the BI20X and the BI40X. That's like the, that's like the top of the game, isn't it? That's that's a really good device. It's a really good device and a really reasonable price. Um, I don't know the Canadian prices, but certainly in the UK, you can pick up a Brilliant BI40X for £2,595. Now, that's a lot of money, right? I'm not not disputing that at all. But it's about average for a 40-cell Braille display. And it is a lot of money, but actually, you know, 40-cell Braille displays have been around that price for quite a long time now. So actually in real terms against you know inflation braille display pricing hasn't gone up with inflation so in and, real and the terms, argument is always that you're getting something that will last longer yes. right it's not going to be changing yeah, yeah, 4400 yeah. canadian just so yeah. you know that's the okay. equivalent so that, that that's that's what you're looking at okay so yeah i i like the the bi40x the bi40x is what i've got on the desk at the moment it is like the mantis but it has a Braille keyboard on it instead of a QWERTY keyboard. I don't much care for the Braille keyboard, to be honest. But, I mean, I want my proper QWERTY keyboard. So, you know, it's what you get. But I like it because it has a good balance for me of being able to connect. I can connect it to the computer via USB. I can connect it to my phone via Bluetooth. I can switch between the devices relatively easily. I just press, you know, the home button and one of the thumb keys. Um, If I need to take a quick note and the computer's not in a particularly good place to take the note, I can press a button, go into the Braille, the Brilliance built-in document reader, take the note, it'll save it as a text file. I can, you know, when the computer's back up and running, connect it up, you know, I, I go into the uh, media devices attached to the computer, copy the text file back, and, and Bob's your uncle, and then I can read books on it and stuff as well. So for me, if I had to choose a Braille display at the moment, that's what I would go for. And if you're Sean, and... <laughs> 
and what? the orbit's your only option. <laughs> well, well, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of joking, right? But I'm, I'm also thinking of people who might want to be dabbling in Braille and maybe getting into it and maybe just want a way to engage with Braille, start you know, typing. Maybe they've gone to one of your courses at the Braillers Foundation or maybe they've been doing a course with Hadley or you know, whatever it might be and they want to get started with it. What would you advise they maybe get started with? Maybe that's the better way to look at it. I mean, look, whatever the budget will afford, right? I mean, if you're a student and you've got DSA funding that you can spend on a Braille display, I would still advise getting the 40X, actually, because that funding isn't going to last forever. And that's in the you UK, know, the, right? That's that's UK funding. Oh, I'm out. sorry, yes. Yeah. I, I, and, and I was going to say the same about access to work, but that's mm. also in the UK. But I'm sure Canada will have similar... Equivalents. Um, it does, e- it does equivalents. have equivalents, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, if you've got funding, then get the, the best Braille display you can afford, you know, within the funding, right? Because the Braille display will outlive the funding, almost certainly. If you're funding yourself i mean i would still say get what you can afford but look the orbit is a very good entry level display i'm not going to knock it it's a very very good reader it's it can take notes um the orbit reader 20 plus has back translation so actually you can save a text file out and and copy it to the computer you can connect it to your phone like i say it can do a lot of the things that the bi series can do it just is a bit noisy and possibly feels a bit cheap and, you know, all of that sort of thing. But <laughs> It's the Wish you know, version. That's fine. Yeah, well, That's well fine. yeah, but I mean, you know, I it know works. where I am. It's fine. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a perfectly good display. <laughs> you know, if, if that's... If that's all you can afford, you know, you'll you'll be happy with an, an Orbit reader. And there, there are other options as well, right? If you don't have the money to buy a display like that, and obviously you're getting into the hundreds and hundreds of dollars here, um, there are options like, for example, the Hable One, um, yes, which is an and the Orbit keyboard. Writer. And the Orbit yeah. Writer. Which, yeah. by the way, the Hable One, I don't know if people know this, but it now has a companion app uh, on iOS, which will give you uh, firmware updates on it. I don't know if people know that. Oh, right. It's now cool. there. I, haven't, uh, I haven't got a Hable One. I've heard about the app, but I haven't tried it yet. Yeah. So, I mean, th- there are other ways to do it. And that doesn't, that doesn't have a display on it. It is just an input keyboard. So it's kind of like a tactile version of Braille screen input, I guess, right? Yes. And and for some people, that really works. Um, I, I definitely wouldn't write those off. Um, you know, I know a lot of people, particularly the Hable One, because it's so small. Mm. I mean, it's smaller than an iPhone these days. Yeah. Because uh, iPhones have got quite big. So, you know, you can... <laughs> You can stick a Hable one in your pocket and, and off you go. And oh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I've, I've you know a lot of time for the Hable, but you're not like you said. There's no display, so you're going to input, but you're going to be listening to what you've input, and you might not catch your writing mistakes quite so easily as if you can just feel what you're typing under your fingers. And don't forget, Matthew, of course, from the Brailleists Foundation. You can find out more about them by searching for Brailleists org that is it from me and sean today we're back with you again tomorrow thanks for listening love double tap did you know we're on the tv too check out brand new episodes of double tap tv on ami tv every tuesday at 8 p.m eastern or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash double tap we're also on youtube search for double tap to catch our episodes there too Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.